This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Hey everyone, welcome to the show this week. Uh, Glad to have you back on. We're doing another Another interesting week of, of what's going on in the NHL here. Uh, I mean, it first of all, been watched, started the Stanley Cup obviously this week on Saturday. Uh, really interesting game between the the Stars and the and the Lightning. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where this series goes because because at times in that game last night, you started to see kind of the frustrated Tampa come back and and the frustrated Tampa is not something that we've seen a lot of this playoff round uh, or this, this year in the playoffs, it's just not been what what's happened with them. And, and I heard other people talking about this, this series and it's, you know, Tampa's pretty much played uh, for the most part teams that have kind of tried the same strategy against them, which is to just frustrate them, not let them score not let them do anything. And that's where, uh, they and they've they've been able to beat it. I mean, they did it against the Blue Jackets, somewhat against Boston, they kind of that, but definitely against the Islanders. Now they're one game in against against Dallas. We'll see how this goes. I, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that they you know they don't have a, a chance already or anything. I mean, obviously it's only one game, and Tampa has got the kind of talent where you really can't ever count them out. Um, so it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But you know, we're here. We're going to talk some Blue Jackets. We're going to talk. Um, some things going on around the league, how to, how to kind of view things in those terms. Do want to remind everyone, if you're on, if you're watching us on Facebook or live on Twitter or anything like that, if you put comments on there, we'll be able to see them here on the show. You might see your comment up. If you have questions, definitely submit it through there and we'll include it in what's going on. So there wasn't a lot of blue jacket centric news this week. I mean, last week we had uh, all the stuff about guys getting sent, you know, to Europe and we had a lot of that information going on. But we didn't have a lot in terms of, not a lot of stuff happened this week, uh, to be honest. So kind of where I'm looking at is this current, uh, there, there's some, some current trade talk out there. And there's a lot of interest with where the Blue Jacks are going with, with different teams. And for the Blue Jackets, the one thing you're really going for is some kind of, I mean, you need more forwards. You need more scoring threats. And one of the more interesting ideas I've heard put out there right now is still this idea of you going Domi for uh, Anderson and kind of a one-for-one one deal. And something that I found interesting, and I was looking over uh, Jay Fresh Hockey, who we've had on the show before, I was looking over his his statistics on on how he does things uh, and how things are kind of viewed there. And I wanted to, to share this with you here. He had an interesting diagram. And if, if you're watching the video version, you see it. If not, I'll just walk you through it here. Essentially, what it does is it takes each player's um, war, which is a wins above replacement. It's, a, it's an analytic that tries to take pretty much all the different things that can be used to um, all the different ways that, that you kind of measure a player, where whether it be Corsi, whether it be expected goals for, whether it be um, 
you know, the quality of chances, all of that, and you try and get it into a single stat. And I mean, no single stat is perfect, but it compares the players over the years. As, and this, in the graph you're seeing here, that's the percentiles these players are in. Whereas in, so 2015-16, Max Domi, uh, Josh Anderson wasn't playing in the league yet. Josh, Max Domi was about about an 80, 80 between the uh, 85 percentile player as far as, as far as war goes. Then in 16-17, when both Josh Anderson and Max Domi played, um, Max Domi was a little under 75, Josh Anderson a little above 50, so pretty similar. Then in 17-18, they had almost the exact same year. Both, player had, both players had a war right around 50%, so 50th percentile, uh, meaning about, about, you know, above a replacement player, 50% better than them. Then in 1819, um, Josh Anderson went above Max Domi. He was into the 80s. Max Domi, or he was probably up, up into the mid-80s. Max Domi was maybe low 80s. Then this year is hard to compare because, again, Josh Anderson played 20-some games, got hurt, and makes that less of, a, of, an, of an even thing there. But it's the kind of trade that I could see the Blue Jackets doing um, because for the Blue Jackets, it helps a need in terms of it would move you to getting a center from having a right winger. And I understand that for a lot of people, you know, you talk about trying to play positionless hockey and, and me personally, I think of it in terms of you want to have as many lines as you can roll against them as possible. But if you have a, a I've become more and more convinced that there's a, between Max Domi and Josh Anderson, I mean, we're trading types of players, obviously, but I think overall what you're going to get from the players is going to be similar. And that's where, in my idea, you you, you kind of make that deal if you get the chance. Um, if you get a chance, you make that deal. You change things up to to get a player at center. Because when you look at the Canadians roster here, and we're looking at it uh, via cap friendly here, uh, when you look at their roster and how they how they're kind of constructed, they've got Philip Denoa center. Um, they're seeing Nick Suzuki as a forward, as a center going forward. Uh, Kota Niemi, I think they're seeing him as a forward going, as a center going forward. So they, they've kind of got their first three locked up, and Max Domi is going to get expensive for them. Now, maybe they say, you know what, we like Max Domi, want to keep Max Domi. That's, that's fine and good, um, but that's where you're making that decision now. Because I believe Max Domi's probably going to want some kind of longer-term deal. He's going to want something longer term there. And uh, Nick Suzuki, he's only got two years left on his on his, on his entry-level deal before you need to sign him to another deal. Jesperi uh, Kotoganami, he's only got one year left before you're going to have to sign him on another deal. So now if you're going to make the decision to go with these youth guys over Max Domi, again, Max Domi's only 25. It's not like he's old. You kind of look at making that decision now. Um, and it gives the it gives the the uh, Canadians something they don't have as much. I mean, I guess Brendan Gallagher is a strong right winger there. Um, Thomas Tatar, you can play left or right, but it gives you a, a solid first second line winger to get put in your top six. So I could see that trade maybe happening uh, at some point here if they decide to go to go that route. So. It's the kind of deal that that would make things change up. Now we did have one actual trade this week in the NHL, which very much surprised me. Um, 
the Marcus Johansson leaving the Buffalo Sabres to go to Montreal to go to excuse me Minnesota to replace Eric Stahl and Eric Stahl going back the other way to Buffalo one for one deal. I'm going to be honest for it with you. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If I was a wild fan, I wouldn't really have been a big fan of this trade. I, I understand that the GM of the wild has come out and said, well, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And I don't, I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, if the idea is we want things to change, that's what we need to do. But Eric Stahl is a more productive player than Marcus Johansson. Um, it's not like he got futures. It's not like he got a guy signed for a long-term deal where you're really getting something there. I mean, from the Sabres perspective, it's like, oh, we're going to get a, a better center. Because from what I've heard, the the Sab- I mean, the Sabres tried to play Marcus Johansson at center. And then the Wild have tried to, are saying they're going to try and play him at center. But then the Wild trade a more capable center for a less capable center both having one year left yeah stalls a few years older than johansson but i don't know if you're going to be if your plan in minnesota is to play sign johansson to a long-term deal that's just not something i'd understand them trying to do um and both teams when you look at their cap friendly on how they're built right now it's remarkably similar where this year of 2020 2021 i mean the sabers are hitting it now where they have got just a ridiculous amount of players who are either RFAs or UFAs this year. And that is going to be, make things. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just crazy. When you look at their forward group, they have got four forwards signed for next season. So far, Eichel, Skinner, Ocposo and stall. Everybody else is either an RFA or a UFA. Their defense score is a little more locked up. But it's a team that if you want to rebuild quickly and do so all with Jack Eichel, obviously, as your centerpiece, because that's what you'd be doing, it's not hard to do. It's It wouldn't be a bad setup because you've already got so many pieces in place. Now, when you look at the Minnesota Wild, the big difference is there. They don't have a Jack Eichel. They don't have the centerpiece to build everything around. But they're going to hit next year. They're going to hit what the Sabres have this year where they've essentially for 2021. So not this coming season, but the next one, only three of their forwards are still signed for that. Now they've got some RFAs this year. Um, Jordan Greenway, Nico Strom, Luke Kunin. And and, I mean, obviously they're going to sign some guys for further out than that, but they've just got so many guys out. I mean, they've got so many guys out there that they just haven't, where they, they could do a rebuild. Defense is going to be a little different for them. Um, but part of it is they've got really good defensemen under contract. And as much as uh, this week, they they did the big deal with... Uh, oh, what was there? But yeah, um, they did the big deal recently here to get to get Brodine on side for long term. But then Matt Dumba, that's going to be two years left at $6 million for who many consider to be a really great defenseman in this league. So... You've got draft cap, but you've got trade capital there anyway. The wild are confusing me a little bit because, again, trading stall for a less capable player and not trying to get futures for him, not trying to get other things. I don't know what direction this team is going in. I'm I'm very surprised by that a little bit, but but we'll see what they do. Um, it's definitely a strange situation there. 
in Minnesota, at least in my mind. I don't know if they have a plan as much as far as where they're going right now. But it's it's a it's a strange one, that's for sure. But uh, we are going to take a, a quick break here, um, share with you some information about one of our other great shows here on the Hockey Podcast Network, and I'll be right back with you. Are you uh, at Kenny Rogers now? Or no, that's your... No, <laughs> no, no, no. That's just my display name. It's still at Ken State Bar, but... Is Rogers your middle name? Sorry, I don't even know. No, the, you don't know who Kenny Rogers is? The no. gambler? No. What? I'm, I'm a deer in headlights, buddy. I'm a deer God. in headlights. Anyways, Kenny Rogers, very infamous country singer. And also just what the O-Dog has deemed my nickname. He just keeps calling me Kenny Rogers or referring to me in the third person as the gambler. So O-Dog. He was roasting me the other day on Overdrive on, uh, on Labor Day because I shot him a text message during the show. No way. I have to say something. Kenny Rogers, I know you can hear this right now. Don't ever text me on my personal phone. He just texted me and said, I'm doing updates, guy. <laughs> I love it. Good man, Kenny. He's no, in there Kenny. working. <laughs> <laughs> but he was roasting me on air, man. I was at work doing the updates, and he was saying that I got the day off, so I had to defend my honor. Not Another Leafs Podcast. New episodes Mondays on the Hockey Podcast Network. And we're back here. Um for our next segment of the week, which I consider to be one of my favorites anymore, is uh, the beer of the week. And sometimes these will be beers that I already know that I like. Sometimes they will be new beers. Uh, but that's where we're going. This week, we've got Kugel's Oktoberfest there. Um, it, it's a little bigger of a, of a brand than we did last time. Kugel's a pretty big pretty big bottler there. German-style Marzen beer. So I am looking forward to this. This is one I've already had before and that I do very much enjoy. Cheers. Mm. That's really good. Um, little, I'd call it, um, it's a great fall beer because it's kind of got that warmingness to it that's really good. What is that flavor? What is what would I call that? Almost like a type of nuttiness to it. It's really good. I'm enjoying this quite a bit. Um, I'd highly recommend it. Again, great fall beer. Great beer, especially for days like the, today, Sundays, where you're spending all day watching football or if you're watching you know, one of the Stanley Cup final games this week. Great beer for that, especially with the weather getting cooler. I'd highly recommend it here. Mm. It's tasty. It's very tasty. Anyway, good beer there. The Lining Kugel Oktoberfest. Big fan myself of it. All right. Jumping into one other story this week that was very interesting. Uh, Alex Petrangelo. A guy who was drafted a long time... St. Louis Blue, um, he was, you know, the first guy to lift the cup when they won it. And they were going to sign him to, it was supposed to be his turn to get the big deal. Uh, as far as, as far as getting that contract, um, long time captain of the team, it was his turn. This week, contract discussions broke off. Uh, 
from what we understand, the difference was less money. Uh, it sounded like Petrangelo was happy to take a little less to stay, but they weren't discussing with him. Apparently, where they cut him off was on the specifics, and that's crazy to me. Um, they were like, oh, well, we'll go to this length, but they weren't really discussing with him years other than Kevin giving him generalities. They, he, he wanted to talk, look about getting maybe certain bonuses built into the contract specifically to try and get it so it'd be harder to buy out. Or if it was bought out, he would still get a big chunk of that money. Um, also a, a, Apparently, he wanted a no-movement clause. The, the the Blues just don't hand those out. And and looking at their cap-friendly page, you can tell it. Uh, they just don't hand out no-movement clauses. But when you're them, when you're the when you're the the Blues, if you, especially if you're a Blues fan, where you've got to be kind of strangely concerned is in the last offseason, they traded for Justin Falk. They gave him a no-trade clause. They signed him for six and a half million a year. Justin Falk is not Alex Petrangelo. He's not as good as Alex Petrangelo. Alex Petrangelo will be one of the better defensemen to hit the open market in a long time. And for them to not do what they could to keep this player on the roster is bizarre to me. It is very strange. So uh, there's obviously going to be all the discussion now. I know I've seen at least 100 people say he should go to Toronto, which... Maybe you will. Who knows? I mean, we're at that part of the year still, and it's not going to last long because with how quickly the draft and free agency are going to hit us, there's going to be this window where teams can really play with their salary caps uh, as far as, okay, maybe we can trade this guy. Maybe we can do this. Maybe we can do that. And it, it'll, it'll work there. But, but as of now, we're, they're not, we're not there yet, um, but there'll be, I mean, the, the, the Leafs are there. Like, if the Leafs want to sign him, they can make some moves. It's the same thing with the Blue Jackets looking at. I mean, I don't know if there's any free agents out there that the Blue Jackets are really going to be going for. I think it's a lot going to be a lot of re-signing RFAs. But there's going to be that window where you can do buyouts, where you can do trades, where you can make things work if you need to, if you really think a certain player is going to be what gets it for your team. If you're the Maple Leafs, yeah, Alex Petrangelo is exactly the kind of player you want. You want more great defensemen. But most teams are like that, where they want a number one defenseman. If they don't have one, it's a glaring thing on your team. So, so I could see why they would want to do that. Uh, so I'll be interested to see where that goes. Um, free agency this year, I think it's like a Friday at noon or something. It's going to be strange, but I'm very excited to see what happens with it. It's going to be a bit of a, a different situation there, but I'm excited for it. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. Again, don't expect the Blue Jackets to be big dealers there. If you're expecting a weird move out of the Blue Jackets, there are two things I would recommend seeing. One, are they going to make... Uh, if they're going to do anything, I'd expect like a big deal at the draft. Some kind of trade. Because um, they might make some big trade. That wouldn't surprise me with the Armo at all. So that we may see. Well, next thing we're going to get to here, folks. I am super excited for this. I was super excited for it to happen. Um, I, 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 somebody I have been a long time fan of, um, is Chris Kramer, uh, Chris Kramer, excuse me, with, uh, with sportslogos.net. It's one of those websites that I've looked at for years, you know, always thought it was cool, has the whole history of sports logos on it. Well, 
he is writing a book and we'll get into it here on the interview here, but we got to sit down with him, have a nice conversation. This was recorded previously there. So if you've got any, if you throw questions in the uh, stream for him, I apologize, but he won't be getting to those. He's not there with us right now, but uh, here is our interview with the man himself. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. The founder and operator of the premier sports logo site on the internet, the author of uh, sportslogos.net, and the author of the upcoming book, Fabric of the Game, the stories behind the NHL's names, logos, and uniforms, coming out on November 3rd, Mr. Chris Creamer. How are you doing tonight there, sir? I'm good, Frank. How are you doing today? I'm doing real well. Thanks for asking. I'm happy you came on the show. I've been a longtime fan of the website and just really excited when I saw the book coming out. I just thought now this is the time I got to talk to him. This is, this is great. I'm excited about this. It's it's a good excuse to finally make it happen. (laughs) All right. Now when, when anybody goes to your website, they're going to see, you know, it says established 1997. How did you get into this? When did you decide, you know what, this is what I'm, this is going to be my mark on the internet is, is cataloging all this stuff. What, what started that for you? Well, I definitely didn't go into it thinking that this would happen. (laughs) So, I mean, I was only what, 14 years old. Um, I, I really enjoyed the internet and computers. Uh, and my dad came home and brought this, uh, you know, do-it-yourself internet package. It connected over the phone line. Very, very <laughs> slow connection. Couldn't pick up the phone while uh, someone was using the internet. And uh, first thing I thought was, I got to figure out how to use this thing, how to make a website. So I, I started just taking apart existing sites on the, on the web uh, and and. I finally figured out, okay, this is how a website works. Now, what am I going to do a website about? And I had always like doodled uh, logos in my, my high school notebooks. I still have them <laughs> where it's just like <laughs> little doodles of logos in the margins when I should have been paying attention to the teacher. Uh, and my dad said, well, you know what? You're always talking about logos. Just do a webpage with all the logos on there. And that's what I did. I, I just searched the internet and found the few logos you could find on the internet at the time, put them all together on one webpage. And slowly built it from there. And yeah, now we're 23 years into this thing. Uh, I'm actually now being invited to logo unveilings by teams. Uh, it's very surreal. And now I got a book about logos. So like, it's amazing what can happen just from one little silly idea. Yeah, it's it's always, I mean, it's been one of those websites that I've loved to look at over time. I mean, between all the the histories, between the all the different types of all the little things like the the specifics of the events and all that it, it's been just just a really great website I, lo- I really love the history aspect of it that it's it catalogs all of those to it but it's it's cool too how it's gotten you that kind of that inroad into like you said meeting people and 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 then inviting you and all that stuff so where did the the Sorry, where did the book come from where did the the plan on the book come from as far as that goes well, I'd always wanted to do a, a book, but my first idea was I'm just going to do a book, basically a, a book version of my website. And uh, immediately you realize you, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't just <laughs> make a book full of licensed logos, right? It, it doesn't work. And uh, why would people buy a book version of what they can already get for free? Um, so, after, you know, you start to realize, okay, maybe that's not the way to go. But maybe we should just focus more on the histories of these things, the origin stories behind these teams, how they actually got their name, how they got their color scheme, how they got their their, their colors, their logos. Uh, and we just sort of accept the fact that 
and I, I use a, an example from a team a long time ago that the Montreal Canadiens are called the Canadians. Why are they called the Canadians? Any team from Canada could be called the Canadians, but why them? Why are the Bruins called the Boston Bruins? We don't even think about it because it's just such a part of our lives. And I wanted to get the story behind all of these teams. So I, I approached Todd Radom, who, for if your listeners don't know, Todd Radom is, is a big graphic designer in the sports industry. He's designed several big logos. Uh, he's done a Super Bowl logo. He's done World Series logos. And he also has contributed to like the New York Times, the Sporting News on the historical pieces. So I figured he'd be a perfect partner to, to come together to uh, study this uh, and to just finally, for once and for all, uh, have the true stories behind all these origins, uh, behind all these team names and everything. Uh, and not only just like looking at, like, let, let me give you an example here that we, we didn't want to just take each team's word for it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so a team says, oh, we're called this because of that. Well, you know, maybe that's a little bit of revisionist history, right? So <laughs> we go back, we actually read the newspaper articles from 1926 when the Chicago Blackhawks picked their name to see what they are actually thinking at the time. We go and we interview some of the people who worked in the front office, some of the people in the design staff to see, you know, what other ideas were they considering, any sort of humorous stories behind the scenes. And to finally, like I said, finally get these stories once and for all. That's that's really cool. I, I know what you mean about, you know, what's the public story versus what it is, because yeah. I know that <laughs> different teams have now made it up over time on different things and right. and all that. I'm I'm looking forward to reading it because I, I love all that stuff behind there. I mean, I was a kid that that you know made up sports teams' names and logos and stuff when I was little and, and had a good time with that. Um <laughs> so in this in this uh, book, I mean, without giving too much away, obviously, because we still want people to buy the book. I mean, is there an interesting tidbit you can think off the top of your head where you're like, "Hey, this will this will kind of whet your appetite for what you'll you know what what kind of stuff you're seeing in the book there?" Sure. Well, it was one of the first teams we researched, and you know this this is great for you because it involves Ohio's other NHL team, the Cleveland Barons, who survived two glorious seasons back in the 1970s, and how they got their name now. <laughs> Hockey historians might know that the Cleveland Barons were actually an AHL team back in the 1930s up to the 1970s. So when the uh, California Seals moved to town, they had to get the rights to that name. It was already owned by somebody. How do you get the rights to a professional hockey team name? Hmm. What do you think you have to do? Top of your head. Lots of money? Jewels? Cars? <laughs> <laughs> no. The man who owned the rights to the Cleveland Barons name said to the owner of the California Golden Seals, you can have the rights to this name if you take my wife and I out for a nice fancy dinner. <laughs> and that is how the Cleveland Barons got their name in the NHL. <laughs> that, I like that a lot. That's very nice. That, that puts me in mind of what is the story right now about the, the gentleman who's trademarked, I think they said dozens of names for the Washington football team. And right, yeah. He says well, he's willing to give them to him for nothing, but... Yeah, sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he wants to make... Maybe it's his day to cash in on it. Who knows? I think he wants a few free dinners. A few free dinners. That's not a bad way of looking at it. Um, all right. So as far as, I mean, you know, with, with hockey logos and all that, I mean, there's such variety and such such difference at this point if there was an nhl team you had to pick and say hey kind of that visual identity is what i what i think is one of the better ones out there what would you which one would you pick 
Well, I mean, I feel it's a bit of a predictable pick. Uh, anyone who's a sports logo fan has a special place in their heart for the Hartford Whalers. I, I love that logo. It was one of those logos where the first time I saw it, I didn't think it was anything special, right? It's just, what is that when you're, you know, seven, eight years old? But when it was sort of pointed out to me <laughs> that not only is that a W and a whale tail, but that H in the middle, that just sort of, right? That blows your mind. <laughs> and you start looking at every other sports logo in the world that you can find and say, what else am I missing in these logos? And, you know, that led me to the Milwaukee Brewers and their baseball glove logo. And I found out that that's not just a baseball glove, it's an M and a B. And from there, it's, okay, now I'm in love with these things. Now I need to collect them. Now I need to see everything about them. So the Hartford Whalers, you could say, you know, them along with the Brewers maybe set me on this path to fall in love with logos. Yeah, it's it's one of those logos that is just, it's it's beautiful. It's perfect. It's I'm I'm glad the Hurricanes have decided to start wearing it again, even though there's that weirdness of a team not in that city wearing the logo of it. But well, the but alternative yeah, is that the logo sits in a closet somewhere, never to be enjoyed. And exactly, my, my son, who you know is growing up to be just like me, he's only six, seven years old, and he loves this stuff uh, maybe more than I did at that age. Uh, he you know, he, he, he had some sort of attachment to the Hartford Whalers at that age. And he would go around singing Bass Bonanza to, to everybody. That <laughs> we went to an Ottawa Senators game, his first uh, NHL game. And we sat next to the organist in the upper deck. And he walks up to him and says, can you play Brass Bonanza for me? And sure enough, he did. So the whole <laughs> Ottawa Senators already got to hear that. So when the Hurricanes announced they were going to wear these Whalers uniforms, like my whole family was gathered around a little computer screen so that we could watch the NHL TV stream of the Hurricanes versus the Boston Bruins up here in, in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> and for that night, we were all hardcore Hurricanes slash Whalers fans. And when the Whalers scored that first, sorry, the Hurricanes scored that goal and <laughs> Ras Bonanza blared through the arena, my kid lost it. Like it was probably the greatest moment of his life at that time. That's great. I, that, yeah, that whole. I don't know. There's something romantic about it once it's kind of gone, but now that it's back here and there, it's it, it's such a perfect logo. I'm I'm with you on that one, and then it's just it's so nice. It's so I don't know. It's just every time you look at it, the first few times you looked at it, you kind of got a different feeling of what you saw each time. It's hard to hate the Hartford Whalers. I mean, they yeah. didn't make a lot of enemies. They didn't have a lot of success. They were sort of this small market town wedged in between Boston and New York. They were the underdog. They were always the underdog. Uh, yeah, how everyone loves an underdog. Yeah, it, it's they. Yeah, you're right. They never got to a point of anybody really hating them. So at this point in time, you see it. There's kind of a yeah nostalgia for it there. For for kind of a I don't know if it was a simpler time, but it was a time when the NHL was not quite as corporate and a little very different than it is right. today. I that's mean, for sure. And and I this is something I talk about in the book. Why do we love the retro logo so much? And I think it's this perception that everything back then was a little easier and a little simpler. And what we we sort of do is we we gloss over and sort of forget that we actually did have problems back then, and that things maybe weren't as amazing as we think they were. But we just focus on the good times, and all we do is we think about oh look. The Hartford Whalers, everything was better when the Hartford Whalers were around. <laughs> I, I mean, if you actually go back and watch a hockey game from 30 years ago, like, 
yeah <laughs> the game now is so much faster yeah and, exactly and it, it's very exciting now but yeah you're right there's that nostalgia to it that yeah. uh, you romanticize the past well i mean going from the past to the future i mean we've obviously the most recent uh new logo we've got there is the kraken the branding of the kraken yes what's your feeling on what they did there were you i know it seems split there were some people who from the word go when they started saying kraken people seemed to be all about it and some people who thought it was kind of strange and silly and shouldn't work what what were your feelings on how that branding went down and and what your just how they did it for you in your mind well first to address what you were saying uh, in the research for this book I, I couldn't find any fan base that actually loved a name when it first came out. <laughs> the reactions are the same. Uh, the newspapers are saying, oh, we're getting petitions to change the name. Fans are calling in. Everyone says they hate it. And maybe 10% of people say they love it. <laughs> same thing with the Blue Jackets. <laughs> you know, the yeah. people hated the name when it first came out. But the same thing with the Kraken here going forward is that it sounds strange now. A lot of people don't like it. But five, 10 years from now, it's just going to be another name and it's going to sound right. It's going to sound normal. And uh, we're all going to, you know, accept it uh, just like we accept the Bruins and the Blackhawks and, and all that. Now, uh, as for the name, it's unique. It's theirs. There's nobody else in the world with a name just like it. So you say Kraken, you know, you're talking about the Seattle hockey team now. Uh, and I like the name. It's like, it's, it's different. Um, I don't know how I feel about names without an S at the end of them, <laughs> but uh, the, they, they listened to their fans and they tapped into that social media and they saw everyone or a lot of people were behind the crack and name right from day one, even before Seattle had an NHL team and they didn't bother, you know, Oh, we're going to do what we want anyways. Like uh, talking about the Atlanta thrashers back here where they actually had a name, the team contest. And then Ted Turner just said, yeah, it's thrashers. And that was the end of the name of the team contest. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Seattle actually listened to the fans, listened to their marketplace, and those are going to be the people that, uh, you know, give them money and attend games, and so why not listen to them? And uh, as for the logo, uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was good uh, for a name for a team that, you know, the mascot is supposed to be mysterious and hidden. Uh, I think they did that well. Uh, you only see the little tentacle of the Kraken peeking up into the S uh, and just the red eye. And, and then the nod to Seattle's hockey history and the fact that it's in the same shape as the old Seattle Metropolitans, the first U.S. hockey team to win the Stanley Cup. It, it you know, it, it checked off a lot of boxes for me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I was a big fan of it. I, I liked how it is. I, you're, to your whole point of saying, you know, they people get used to them over time. Uh, what was it? So I saw somebody had a tweet about how they thought it was one of the dumbest names ever. And somebody pointed out, you know, at one point, you know, we literally have baseball teams that are just named after the color of the socks they wear. So it's not, it's not like this was ever some great, you know, science behind it. It's just kind of figuring what works. And you're right. After time, people get used to it and they, they enjoy it there. So I am, I am going to now uh, do something that might, might slightly sabotage you a little bit with the fan base that's, that's listening to this podcast and ask you what you think about the Blue Jackets logo. Because it's something that I've seen at different times. Different people have been critical. The fan, the home team loves it, but that's because we love things that are ours. Mm -hmm. But I, I just want to get someone's take who studied all these on what they think of of it. Do you think they should do something to update the branding? Because I I read that uh, interesting thing on your, on your site today about uh, Allentown. Yes. Um, 
And I, I really liked the idea they talked about how they were kind of always updating it mm-hmm. because they thought if they always kind of tweaked it every few years, it would never get stale. That's right. And I mean, the Blue Jackets jumped from that weird, crazy CBJ with the with the hockey stick that was green to this, and I don't know. It, it's always felt like a team that's kind of tried to be figuring out their identity. So, what what's your viewpoint on where they're at as far as that that visual identity? Well, I'm glad they don't use Stinger anymore as the main logo. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, um, yeah, there's a fun story behind that one, but yeah, yeah. Well, the neon green, the original. I'm going back. Here. So your younger viewers may not know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> when the Blue Jackets first came out, they had this electric, what, I, what's, I forget the actual name of it, but it was like a neon green that complemented the blue, red, and did they even have silver then? Where is it? There it is, right there. Keep scrolling down. <laughs> oh, there it is. There we go. Yeah. Open that up. So that was the original Blue Jackets primary logo. And there I can see Stinger peeking out from the bottom there. I liked this logo. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was clever. I thought you know the the banner, the ribbon, uh, paying tribute to sort of like the Civil War, the fact that the team is named after the the Union soldiers. Um, it, it was nice, and it got the abbreviation of the team. Uh, there was also a time we didn't know what the abbreviation for the Blue Jackets would be, <laughs> so this <laughs> took care of that. What C O L? There was already the Avalanche. We we had no idea. What are we going to do? There's going to be C B S. Uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so so this took care of that. Uh, and to go back to what you said, uh, I think it's the Allen Americans. That's the story you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're absolutely 100% right. Uh, if you slightly tweak your logo slowly over time, the logo evolves with time. The logo never gets stale as they say, and you avoid these things like what the Buffalo Sabres have done, what the New York Islanders have done, the Washington Capitals have done where they've made this huge change to their brand only to find out that their fans absolutely hate it. It's just too much too soon. Uh, they, the Capitals fans love the red, white, and blue. They love the lowercase word mark for whatever reason. It's theirs. They love it. That's fine. The Eagle and the teal and the bronze. That's not their team. That's not the team they grew up with. Right. right. So, uh, and you know, <clears throat> switching to baseball and my blue Jays, when they switch to black and silver, that that's not the same team I grew up cheering for. It right. they don't look the same. They're wearing a different uniform from my heroes in the past. So yes, uh, slowly evolve your logo over time. The Blue Jackets at least kept their color scheme, which is good. Uh, the primary logo they have now started as a third jersey logo, so there was a transition period. It still sort of tells the story of the team. It's a very sort of patriotic logo, but it's more of a state pride rather than national pride. Um, what do you think of the logo? Does it say Blue Jackets to you? To me, it, it this is a great logo for the city of Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, it, you're not wrong. And it is super patriotic. I mean, really trying to sell that along with the Ohio flag bit of it. Um, something that I think was intended to be in it, but is so kind of hidden as to not even really be there is I think they tried to make the shape of the flag look like a C. Yes, they did. Yeah. And it like it you can see it when you know it's there, but it's not like the whalers thing where mm-hmm. as you look at it over time you get it. Um but it's again it's super patriotic, but it's just not I, I don't I don't know. In my mind, something that I kind of thought years ago when they introduced the 
red, white, and blue canon is that I thought they were eventually going to go to that and make that kind of the primary look. To me, that's, that's a perfect shoulder logo. Yeah, it's it's a good logo, yeah. But it's it's not it's not a primary brand for an NHL team, in my opinion. Um, and you can even look at the, the user ratings that you're pulling up on the side there under notable player Sergei Fedorov. Uh, it, <laughs> still, it's got a 6 out of 10 rating. The Canon yeah. one, I believe, was like a 6.7, 6.8. So, I mean, the fans prefer that one over the banner logo. What is that? 6.6. So 6.6, yeah. Let's go back. Let's see the CBJ one. I hope this is a very informal show. I'm just sort of dictating. <laughs> yeah, we just, we just make it up as we go along for the most part. Perfect. That's my style. I like it. Oh, yeah. They didn't, they didn't care much for that one. At a 5-1. Terrible. Yeah. Well, that... So, yeah. What, what's your like? Do you agree with that? Do you think the primary brand, the primary logo now, is better than the original one? I think I think what they have now is better than the original, and and I think the reason the fans tend to like the Canon one so much more is for Blue Jackets fans that is such a staple of the identity of the team. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, now in the arena they've got the whole thing where for every goal scored they've got this little wall where they put in the cannonballs mm-hmm. uh, and players sign them and. And even the reporters like to do things like they'll video record the the people who come into the press box who aren't used to being in Columbus and <laughs> video record them jump when the cannon goes off the first time. Oh, so there's this, there's this, yeah, it's, it's mean and it's hilarious. And uh, it's just, there's this pride of it's ours, everyone else hates it, so we love it all the more. So maybe that's where that identity is kind of forming around. Well, I, if that's the case, if it's a local thing where everyone loves it and it's sort of like, this this is our thing where yeah we don't care if you hate it in fact we love it that you hate it <laughs> <laughs> maybe you know go in in the direction of a cannonball or the cannon or something i don't think that particular logo the way it is right now would work as a primary but you could definitely make a logo a primary logo a primary brand based off of a cannon or a cannonball it'd be interesting to to look around to see uh, i can't think of any off the top of my head but there's got to be some that exist of a team that uses a cannon or a cannonball as their primary logo. The only one that jumps to mind right off the top of my head is Arsenal, but after that, I can't think right. of anything. But well, that'd be good. Is anyone using that one? <laughs> just, just throw that all there. But sure, put a yeah. C around it. <laughs> put a C around it. Put the CBJ on it, and just, That's just right. throw it out there. There you go. Wrap put it in the red. Ohio pennant. You know, <laughs> put the Iowa on it. Put the red, white, and blue. There you go. You'll be good. Well, Chris, I, I do want to thank you for coming on. This has been fun. I've really enjoyed it. Again, uh, if you haven't, check out his website, sportslogos.net. The book, uh, Fabric of the Game, the stories behind the NHL's names, logos, and uniforms is on November 3rd. You can get it at Amazon. Uh, there's, it's available, what, pretty much everywhere at this point or will be? It, it's wide release, so I think you can order it. If you choose not to order off Amazon, that's fine. It's available pretty much anywhere else, Barnes & Noble, or even independent bookstores <laughs> that offer uh, pre-sale. So. Oh, wonderful! I, I'm I'm looking forward to reading this one because I just I don't know, sports uniforms, sports stuff. I mean, all this all this stuff around sports. I love it. So, thank you for uh, for building a website that's been a fun read, and I'm looking forward to the book. Thank you very much for your time this evening, sir. Thank you so much. We just finished a really exciting season of hockey here in Columbus, and the future is bright with all these awesome young players, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Alexander Texier, Liam Foody, Elvis Merce-Lincolns, but now you've got a new problem. 
How do you get jerseys for these guys? Well, we've got you hooked up. CoolHockey.com slash THPN. And since CoolHockey.com doesn't outsource jerseys for customization like competitors, they're able to offer the best deals, best quality, and pricing and time on your delivery. So remember, when you need a new jersey, CoolHockey.com slash THPN for our exclusive discount there. Remember to use the discount code THPN, CoolHockey.com slash THPN. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed the interview with uh, Chris Creamer there. I looked forward to it. Uh, I I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but I do want to thank everybody for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with another show. And uh, thank you very much. And go please down. subscribe to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief. And thank you for listening. <laughs>